Welcome to Courtney Watches Movies. It's the podcast in which I, the titular Courtney, review, analyze, and most likely overthink movies and the filmmakers who brought them to life. How in the world are you? I am super excited because I have been looking forward to this movie since I learned about it. I don't know if we've talked about this before. I say we like there's more than one of us talking, but I do consider kind of this whole podcast to be a conversation with anybody listening, which might be delusional of me, but that's how I feel. Uh, I don't know that we've talked about this before, but I love film noir. It's one of my favorite genres. I saw Double Indemnity when I was pretty young, and it really had a big impact on me, just the imagery of it. And I liked the, the lighting and just how well lit the actors were and just how it just kind of drew you in. So I'm a big film noir person. So when I heard that Mr. Liam Neeson of all people was going to be playing Philip Marlowe in a new movie, I was pretty, I was pretty psyched out of my mind about that. So this is a film by Neil Jordan with a screenplay by William Monaghan based on the novel by John Bonville, Banville, sorry, according to IMDb. And the character was created by Raymond Chandler, which I almost said Dashiell Hammett, and then I remember Dashiell Hammett did uh, Sam Spade, right? So I'm mixing up my mystery writers, but it is Raymond Chandler. He created Philip Marlowe, the character, famously played by Humphrey Bogart in The Big Sleep. So pretty big shoes to fill and a pretty big fedora. Wait a minute. Is it a fedora or a trilby hat? I think it's a trilby hat. We got to get this this hat talk straight, you guys. I think it's a I think I don't think it's a fedora. At any rate, in late 1930s Bay City, a brooding down on his luck detective is hired to find the ex-lover of a glamorous heiress. Dun dun dun. Okay. So I'm kind I am a little bit there's no possible way that I could spoil this movie because I don't even think I could describe the plot, to be honest. It is a little convoluted. I saw this with a with a friend, and when we walked out, we both kind of looked at each other and went, oh, I, I think I liked that, but I didn't really understand what was going on. I don't think I could describe it. But as the, as the summary says... Liam Neeson is playing Detective Philip Marlowe. He's kind of a detective. He's got kicked off of the police force. So now he's kind of doing a private eye type business. And Diane Kruger comes in. She's looking very, very 30s, 40s and glamorous and just asks him, hey, I need you to help. I need you to find my lover, which is pretty bold considering she's married, but she wants him to find this other gentleman she's been seeing and off he goes and pretty soon he is in a firestorm a conspiracy of Hollywood and drugs and studios and cartels and it's just like 
there's a lot going on. There's a lot of layers. There's a fancy, fancy country club with horses and prostitutes, but like high-end ones. It's very, there's a lot happening, but it sets him down this journey of trying to find this guy. And of course, this is the movie. So it's not just quite as simple as that, right? He's not just looking for this guy named Nico Peterson. He also has to deal with the, you know, the manager of the country club who has a secret played by Danny Houston. And I always enjoy saying him, you know, he's fun. And then there's kind of this underworld figure played by Alan Cumming, who's also super fun. And what's funny is he's doing a, like a Southern accent, which is, which is fun, but sometimes he does slip and sound Scottish, but it kind of works. Have you guys ever heard the, the idea that people in England like hundreds of years ago would have sounded similar to Southerners in the U.S. now. I, I wonder if that's true. I think that's interesting because what was funny was a couple of times Alan, a couple of times Alan coming, Alan Cummings little uh, Scottishness did pop out, but it worked. And I was like, Oh, okay. This works for the character. Um, he's got a deal. There's a brief scene with Diane Kruger's husband, who's just a, laxadaisical layabout who just mooches off of her money because her mother is a grand dame of Hollywood played by a real grand dame of Hollywood, Jessica Lange. And it's always really fun to see her too. And she's just up there chewing the scenery. You know her. And they're all involved in this multi-layered story of it it turns into oh we need to find this guy Nico and then why do we need to find this guy okay we don't really need to find the man himself we need to find something he had with him okay we don't really we're not all being honest about who's looking for him um i'm not even being honest about who i who I know is looking for him and why it's just, there's, it's very, very messy. If we were to try to map it out on a wall, there'd be a, like a police procedural. There'd be a lot of strings. You know what I'm saying? Between portraits, but it's, it's a fun movie. I think that m most people would enjoy this. I, okay. Let's start with what I liked. What I like is it's very, very atmospheric. So they say the town is called Bay City, but it's Los Angeles, right? We we know. And what I love about film noir is that it just gets you in the moment, right? Like you're you ugh, it's just it's almost gritty and nasty and but but beautiful in its way. It's just different. So I have a I don't want to sound like woo-woo on you guys, but I think Los Angeles is pretty dark, almost on a spiritual level. I think it's a strange place. Whenever I've been there, I've been pretty unsettled in my spirit. And I think it's just because there's this aura around the place that's just taking, uh, it's an aura of taking advantage of desperate people. And it's often people are desperate to be famous, desperate to be rich, desperate to be recognized. And this movie does a really good job of capturing that sense of what happens to people who will just do anything to 
reach their goal and they'll put themselves into crazy danger. And I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to tell you guys that at the end, it turns out that Nico, which is the character that this he's this all hinges on, he's the one everybody's looking for, he put himself into the situation that he's in, having all these different crime lords and shady characters after him like he willfully did it himself and i think that it that is a super honest and realistic look at this kind of film it's just like the consequences of your actions and he's not portrayed as like this sad oh, there's been a big misunderstanding victim, he definitely put himself where he is. And so that part of it I really liked because I do, I appreciate when films illustrate consequences, realistic consequences. I think that's healthy, right? Even though this is clearly a very stylized, over-the-top movie, that has a, a thorough line of reality to it. So I really liked that. I liked that it was kind of unflinching about the fact that it's, it's ironic because I'm sitting here talking to myself into a microphone about movies because I love movies, but I can't deny that the business is not, it's often very, un, very, very unhealthy and, and leads people down really dark roads and they can't really pull themselves out of it. And so this is really good at, at demonstrating that. The other thing that I really liked is everybody looks super cool. I love the costumes. I am not enough of a historical fashion expert to know if they're totally accurate, but to my untrained eye, they sure look like a lot of the people in the 1930s movies that I like from, that are really from the 1930s, right? And everybody just looks really, really lovely. Um, so I liked that. Uh, and then the other thing that I really liked was... As soon as I figured it out, I like this because here's the thing. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the whole idea of the mid-Atlantic accent. If you're not, I'll, let me just explain real quick. So back in the day, like when what really would have, when these movies would have really been going on, like the real 1930s and 40s, actors often spoke in this invented accent called the mid-Atlantic. And that's when you think of... Kerry Grant talk. No, that was, I can't do it very well, but he does. It's kind of this meeting between an, an American announcer voice and a British voice. And it was invented and it's really not found in real life, but it shows up a lot in these, in these movies, especially, uh, like I said, Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn. And so for a while, when I, when the movie first started, I was kind of going, are, Liam Neeson and Diane Kruger and Jessica Lange purposely acting robotic and kind of overacting this, or is this an accident? But the more I thought about it, I thought, that doesn't seem right, because these are talented people. These are seasoned actors. I don't think there's, I don't think they're accidentally overacting this, right? So now I'm thinking that they did it on purpose. I think the entire movie is an homage and a send-up to that decade and that general time period and that they're doing that robotic type voice robotics not a good word but you'll know it when you hear it it all it sounds fake 
right? But it sounds like people sounded in old film noir and screwball comedies. It really does. So I thought, I came back around while I was watching this film and I thought, are they doing this on purpose? I hope they're doing that on purpose. Oh, this is weird. And now I'm back to, they're doing that on purpose. It's a bit, it's an homage. It's a, it's, it's on purpose. And so I really like that. Once you get into the world, you're into it, right? It's fun. At least I thought it was fun. What I didn't like, as I said, the storyline is very convoluted. It's hard to explain. There's a lot of layers and interconnections that I thought were a little bit of a stretch. And again, just the constant everybody betrays everybody. Everybody's secretly blackmailing everybody. Everybody's working against everybody else. It got a little bit repetitive, but I understand the point they're going for. Again, this is all a continued, just a very, very extreme example of that, of that film noir genre, because they are really twisty. You guys put on like I said, Double Indemnity, or The Killers, or uh, Gilda. Well, Gilda's a little bit more straightforward, but not really even. There's lots of, like, twists and turns, and that's the point, you know. But a couple of times I thought, okay, this is getting a little drawn out for my taste. But overall, I liked the movie more than I disliked it. And I think the majority of people who are given to already like sort of long drawn out mysteries will enjoy this. I think this could end up finding an audience. You know, I was a little bit surprised by how many people were in my pre-screening. So I think that's a good sign, right? I'm hoping people will go out and support it. And I'm not sure how much of a box office draw Liam Neeson is when he is not being an absolute kick butt action hero. He does have a couple of fight scenes, but you know, it's it's not taken. It's not it's not his uh action flicks, but I I hope that this finds an audience and I do think that anybody who sees it will like it. Like it's not it's maybe not going to make anybody's top 10 of the year, but it's fun and I I would love for it to get some movie theater support. And what I would also love is for this to bring the this type of film to a wider audience. Like, if people see this who have not been exposed to The Postman Always Rings Twice, The Maltese Falcon, those kinds of movies, and then this opens them up to more of those films, that would be great. And I, I honestly hope you guys do. I, I, like I said, I love Double Indemnity. I, and I really like The Killers. Um, I, there's so many fun movies in that film or in that, in that genre. And I would love for it to, to get more, hopefully, visibility from this. That would be great. So I think I'm going to give this a, I think I'm going to go with a, an 8 out of 10 which could seem high to some of you, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It's not, look, don't go there expecting like the fastest paced, like crazy thrill ride, 
but it's fun. Everybody seems to be just hamming it up. And you guys already know, if you've listened to me at all, you know I love that. I love when actors seem like they're having a good time. And especially about such a dark topic as that probably hits close to home for a lot of them, just how abusive the whole Hollywood system can be. And for them to be able to enjoy a project that's about that, it just seemed like they did. I don't know. And I realized, too, that I'm a little bit of a hypocrite in this area because as much as I love movies about old Hollywood, I almost universally do. I I genuinely like them. I rarely like movies about modern day Hollywood, which is funny. I'm one of those people that was a La La Land hater. It just wasn't for me. And so I just, it's interesting to think about where that comes from and why, where the line is drawn for me. Uh, It's just funny. I don't know. But yeah, I'm going to give, I'm going to give this an eight out of 10. I think it's really good. If you end up seeing it, let me know what you think. I, I think it's a good time at the movies. Get you some popcorn and support a smaller film. You know, it's good. It's really good. It's fun. If you don't like it, let me know that too. (laughs) I'll feel a little bad, but I think, I think you'll be, you'll be pleasantly surprised by this one. All right. Thank you so much for listening. That's all for today. Uh, Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, really helps me out. Follow me on Instagram at Courtney Watches Movies. We're always having a good time over there. I literally live in a barn. And so sometimes you see some of my animal friends. <laughs> pretty pretty wacky life. But yeah, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.